This is uh, Kevin Evans with the chapter-by-chapter -chapter life class at Crossroads Assembly of God Church in Greenville. And we are studying the Gospels, particularly John, and today we are jumping into John chapter 3, having sort of kind of finished chapter 2 last week. And so John, just as a quick recap, is uh, offering seven signs of Christ because he is not writing a synoptic uh, chronological gospel of Christ. He's basically telling seven stories that are uh, uh, illustrate that Christ is God and his salvation uh, offering for man. And he is, uh, they're basically vehicles for John's preaching to us. Uh, and so we get a whole lot of theology and uh, um, persuasion in John that we don't get in the Synoptic Gospels. But at the time, the people that were hearing John already had the Synoptic Gospels, so there wasn't any reason to cover all that ground again. Oh, hey! So, um, yeah, where's Amanda? Okay. All right, there we go. So, uh, we last week we taught Jesus cleared the temple out and argued with Pharisees. And the next story that he tells is about Nicodemus. And uh, some scholars have suggested that uh, John's baptism testimony, which is the second half of this paragraph, uh, chapter, also has to do with Nicodemus. But I, I think after studying it and contemplating, I disagree with those commentators. <laughs> I know you're shocked. Uh, but I just don't think it holds up very well. But we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. There's two stories in this, so I'm going to do the first half of it down to verse 21, and then we'll tackle the second part. So, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council that is also known as the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. Uh, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Gross. I'm sorry, that was my addition. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Jesus gives birth to, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. 
Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of a Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God will not send his son into the world to condemn the world, or did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. John got all preachy there. So, there's a lot here. Uh, Nicodemus, going back to the beginning of this, was a Pharisee. Pharisees, as we know, are lawyer slash priests. They kind of have both function in Jewish uh, uh, society. They, they deal with uh, uh, civil issues. Uh, if you have a contract issue over your land and you're fighting with your neighbor over whether or not they have access to your cow or whatever it is, uh, these are the guys that, that deal with that. They're basically judges, or, or actually, no, they're lawyers. Uh, the Sanhedrin, are judges. They are the kind of a cross between uh, a Supreme Court and a city council. They kind of have both functions. So they'll make big plans for what's going on in Jerusalem and uh, they do all the civil stuff, but they also sit in judgment of uh, court cases and civil cases. So not only is uh, Nicodemus a, a lawyer, and a priest, but he is a judge and a priest. He is a big shot, important, dangerous, powerful man. Now, the Sanhedrin, as has been well established in all of the other Gospels, are threatened by Christ and are actively plotting against Christ. So we can assume that Nicodemus is on the inside circle and he is in the room while all the Sanhedrin are planning, what are we going to do about this upstart that's preaching out in Galilee? And they're sending out spies in order to test him and try to catch him in something that they could make charges of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of heresy against him, which Christ never does. And you see that all throughout the Synoptic Gospels. He's one of those people. But we can also have to assume, based upon this passage, but he's also an honest and seeking person, and he is, he is watching Christ, and he's seeing genuine miracles that he cannot explain otherwise. It's not fake. It's not anything that they can challenge, and they haven't been able to catch him in anything. So he's interested, and he's looking for the Messiah, the Son of Man, who's going to come and free the Jewish people. So he's actually curious if maybe we've got this wrong. 
So he comes not as a judge or as someone to trap him like all of the Pharisees that have shown up in Galilee that we saw in Luke and particularly in Matthew. Uh, he shows up at night. The, the only reason that he would show up at night is that he doesn't want anybody to notice him. If he shows up, because they recognize him, he's on the, you know, he's a judge, you know, and so it's not like he can walk into the room and not have everybody know who he is immediately and start gossiping and assuming things. So he has to show, if he's going to really check this out on his own, he's got to do this uh, on the down low. And so he shows up and he is asking Jesus to explain himself on a one-on-one -on -one basis in an honest way. And so he says, you are performing miracles and uh, you wouldn't be doing this if God weren't with you. And that's where he leaves it. And Jesus shoots back with, <clears throat> you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, what? Why would he respond that way? I'm not sure it's a new concept, but it's one that they have abandoned because they are, they've become very legalistic. And we have the laws of Moses, and then we have all of the laws of all of the Jewish leaders that have come after that, that they have you know, expanded the laws of Moses. And now the Jews live by this rigid code that they have to kind of keep up with, you know? And so, and so he thinks that the way that you get God's grace, God's salvation, is to obey all the rules. And if you obey all the rules, then you're good and you get to go to heaven. You know, that's, that's, that's what his religiosity is all about. But it's never just that. You know, it's got to be more. It's got to be personal. I have a hard time believing that even, even the Pharisees thought it was just following the rules. Because they do spend a lot of time trying to get around the rules. Because that's what lawyers do. You know, you have a set of rules and then you want to take over your neighbor's land. And so you go find an attorney who studies the situation so that he can find some little loophole somewhere that gives you a way to challenge your neighbor. And then if you do something illegal, then you come up with your, your lawyer gets in there and either intimidates or, or spins this in such a way to make you look good. And it's law is the foundation of corruption. It really is. So, you know, so being a priest and a lawyer, he was corrupt on one side and then trying to be good on the other side. It's a weird combination. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hesitate to go here, but I am. Uh, I'm reading a book now that is about Wyatt Earp, and it is tweezing out all of the mythology from what actually happened in New Mexico and in Dodge and in Tombstone and the gunfight at the OK Corral and the, and the conflict that he had with this group of people called the Clantons. And it analyzes it in depth 
going back to the source materials. And most of what we know about wide earth, I, you know, I'm not going to say that. It's, it's, well, to quote wide earth, it's all true except for a lie or two. And that's a direct quote from Wyatt Earp himself, you know, because everybody is spinning to their own advantage. And what you really had there were a bunch of uh, people in the New Mexico territory. Now, they've all come in from somewhere else and they've all claimed land and uh, their mining interests in Tombstone, which is the thing. And the, the Earps were all from, I think it was New Jersey. They were all Yankee peoples, you know, yeah. And, and they, they didn't have a good solid Southern accent, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and then uh, the Clantons were all from Texas and uh, they all hadn't fought in the Civil War, but their fathers had fought in the Civil War and they were all very solidly Southern and they did not like people from the North because it was in the middle of Reconstruction and, you know, uh, there was a big divide between North and South in the United States then. And here we have over in the frontier, this group of Southerners who are all thieves and cattle rustlers. But, you know, if you're from Texas and he's not stealing your cattle, he's still from Texas. And so the people in, in Tombstone, largely, better than three-fourths of them, were really on the Clanton side because they were Southern. And then we didn't really like the law, which were all Yankees. And so, and so all the Yankees, I'm sorry, I'm not picking on you, by the way. Um, you tend to point to him. Every I time do, because he's the Yankee in the room. Anyway. Who won the Civil War? Yeah, good point, good point. Fair, fair, I'll give you that. <coughs> and hence all the resentment. Anyway, uh, so, when they started telling their stories, uh, the Clantons spun it their way, and, and they did a whole lot of lying, and uh, invented a stagecoach robbery, and put the Wyatts and Doc Holliday in the middle of it and all, and there's absolutely no evidence that they ever did. In fact, they probably held up the stagecoach in, in question, and uh, there's evidence to show that. And then, of course, the, 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 the Earps were spinning it, too. There was even a newspaper that was on one side and a newspaper on the other side, both of them churning out rhetoric, none of which you could touch on. The journalism was terrible and all completely biased. And so it's really hard to tweeze out what actually happened. And guess what? When it gets down to the end, uh, the, the Wyatts, uh, the, the, the Earps, excuse me, were all... Uh, 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 official deputy marshals. They were all wearing badges, and the Clantons were all wearing city badges. You know, they were all officials. They had attorneys on their sides, both sides. And so, where is the law? You know, they end up defining it. You know, and, and that's kind of what's happening here, and I went too far with that, I have to admit. But, uh, you know, Nicodemus is trying to follow the law, and the law is flexible depending on who's spinning it. Does that make sense? Whereas God wants us to follow him and follow a moral center, and it's not about the specific rules. It's about the intention. It's about the the the, the 
your relationship with God and your understanding of his commandments and your understanding of his contingent, you know what is right. God put a moral center in humanity so that we know what's right. And if you're trying to wiggle around a rule, then obviously you're trying to justify the wrong. That's what wiggling around rules are. Um, we still have a lot of debate over, some people still believe that the law is law and not what Jesus established. You know, they, they still believe that the, the Mosaic law is still the law. It still is. I don't think Christ ever invalidated the Mosaic yeah. law. It kind of it, it pulled you back to the Mosaic law. Yeah. You know, all of the, he's basically calling out all of the loopholes. You know? might have took away some of the Jewish law. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Going back to the original, yeah. And so uh, he's saying you have to be born again into the kingdom of God, meaning that they weren't in the kingdom of God to begin with. And the Jews had, uh, there are Old Testament references to a born again. Uh, they had a, uh, the whole idea of baptism comes from a Jewish uh, a tradition when you had somebody from outside the Jewish faith, if you if somebody marries a Syrian, you know, and she comes in and joins because it would be a she, she comes in and joins the Jewish faith. Well, she has to die to the Assyrian uh, lifestyle and rise up as a Hebrew, and she's literally dies and is born again as a Jew, and that's what that picture of baptism is. They understand that, you know. So he's saying you have to enter the kingdom of God. John was baptizing people in repentance. And that's what, that's what Christ is referring to. You know, when he says you have to be born again, you, you have to repent and begin again and embrace God. And you have to follow uh, this, this true faith, a spiritual faith, a personal faith. And the rules are an assist to that faith. They aren't the substance of it. So that's what he's telling him. And it's pretty, pretty heavy for one line. And, and Nicodemus is not keeping up. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. I found an interesting commentary on this one that I had never heard of before. And if you go back to the original Greek in which this was written, that can be determined, water can be interpreted flesh. He's not referring to baptism, he's referring to physical birth. So unless he's born of man and born of the spirit. So water meaning everything's wet and gooey when a child is born. That's, that's what he's referring to. Okay, that's probably a bad analogy. Okay. Okay. You, okay, hit me. Please do. I think he's talking about one thing, because it looks like a translation would be either water and spirit or wind and spirit. So he's talking about this is in parallel to being born again. Unless one is born again or, or <coughs> born of wind and spirit. Wind? As a translation. So, so it says the same Greek word. It means both wind and spirit. Or water and spirit. Okay, well, I stole my point, so <laughs> I, I can't defend it. <laughs> <laughs> it says the Greek it's, is plural. Yeah. Well, what is that? How, how is that helpful? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
sorry, did I yell too loud? You looked, <laughs> you looked frightened there yeah. a little bit. I apologize. I back up. Okay. <laughs> so now Nicodemus did evidently finally understand it somewhere. It's just not in, John just didn't write it down because he did get saved. Yes. So somewhere he understood, finally understood, but it we does. Assume. We assume because he and the man that, uh, the rich man that, you know, went and got Jesus' body, they both were part of the Sanhedrin and they yeah. both were saved. There were three different references to Nicodemus and uh, Nicodemus in uh, the end of Luke uh, uh, bought the incense that uh, they anointed Christ's body with when they took him off the cross. So he was with Joseph of Arimathea, who was probably also in the Sanhedrin. I think it says that. And uh, so th they were the ones that uh, put him in uh, Joseph's tomb. So we assume that he is a believer at that point. I'm not sure he's a believer here. I think he's a seeker. Uh, and he, 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 he's seeking him out. And, and, and John gives this whole uh, sermon uh, to Nicodemus. So, uh, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, and, and that would go to your interpretation, actually. How can this be, Nicodemus said. He says, you are Israel's teacher, and you don't know this. So they've really gotten off center, haven't they? You know? Um, I thought about this while I was working. Um, see, they, they had the Old Testament writings of Moses that were the foundation of their law. And then they have this layer of laws that have been written by rabbis on top of that, which is the foundation of a lot of the cultural uh, 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 traditions of the Jew, of the Hebrew people, you know. But that's not the scripture. The scripture is Moses's books. And, 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 and a lot of it, like I said, is taking this declaration and twisting it around in circles until we can make it work for us over here. So, so, so they had to add onto the Levitical laws because that wasn't enough? Yes. And, but the thing is, we still do that. We, you know, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take scripture, and then I'll read a commentary, and I am very guilty of reading the commentary first, and then going back to read the scripture so that I have a nice filter for the scripture when I, when I read it, you know? And, uh, you know, I, 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 do, we, do we follow people more than we follow the scripture? You know? I had a nice argument with Randall about uh, a, a writer named... Can I call him out on, on, the, on the radio? He wrote Harbinger. And uh, Harbinger is interesting. I have, some, I have some issues with how he wrote some of it, you know, and I, I think he takes things too far. I mean, it's an interesting observation, but he's extrapolating and extrapolating and extrapolating and extrapolating. And every time you do that, it gets a little more dangerous and a little more off base, I know from logic, you know. And, and as a result, I, I, I kind of question some of his final conclusions, although I find them interesting. And so do I want to follow Khan or do I want to follow John? You know, we need to keep our feet firmly founded on scripture as we study and take all of the commentary with a big grain of salt. Yeah, so when you're reading the robe, 
keep a big grain of salt as you read it. Okay. Especially when you're reading commentary that you know you agree with already. Like. Here, you make a noise. Uh, Is I there a fire? <laughs> oh no. So you got you got to give Nicodemus this. So, but if you follow, if you look at the original law before they twisted it all to pieces, there's nowhere in the original law of Moses where he talked about being born again. So, honestly, they they had no teaching on being born again. Really, if you if you go back to the law of Moses, there's nowhere in the original law of Moses that he talked about or wrote about being born again. Then how do you explain Christ saying in verse 10, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I don't know. I, don't know. I think that's an imp suggesting that yeah, but, he should get it. Yeah, but it, it, am I correct that in the law of Moses that they originally built their faith on, there is nothing in there that talks about I didn't go back and find the reference, so I can't argue with you. So. I think you're saying more of a cultural thing. I, maybe. Should I call a medic? saying that the law that in the original law there's nothing really that talks about being born again okay i don't have a specific reference but christ seems to think that he should understand what's well, going on maybe because of since christ came and john was baptizing in water that may have been where he thought that maybe they should have understood what was going on now yeah and still you don't accept our testimony and that's kind of that makes sense actually look at the next verse and uh, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. So, so they need to pay attention to what was written because they don't know what they're talking about. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, the Son of Man must be lifted up, and he's referring to his crucifixion, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And then we have the single most famous verse in the world across all religious denominations. I looked this up. So more people know John 3, 16 than any Muslim knows any verse in any of the Quran, you know. So this is it. It's the center of the Christian faith. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And that's that's the nut of it all, to use the literary term. You know? It's amazing how they, they use that reference from the, where they made the golden calf, and then Jesus, and God sent the snakes to kill them all to kill them all until Moses cried out and he said, "Well, make this snake on a pole," and that was the first representation of Jesus and how he would die. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I did. I lost my train of thought. I'm very sorry. Uh, it summarized the entire gospel. Uh, Nicodemus makes three appearances. I'm trying to make sure I've got everything covered. Everyone who does evil hates evil. This verse 20 will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So he's going back to his references to light and life that were in the first chapter. Uh, John keeps cycling everything back to this. you know, And... Um, I absolutely believe this is a direct quote from Christ. He's using the direct quote in his teaching in order to tie all of this together. And uh, I am convinced because this is so succinct and so tightly written that this is a practice sermon that John has used and refined over the last 20 years because he's writing this late in his life, you know, from memory. Uh, I have no problem with the fact that it may not have been word for word exactly what Christ said, but it is the essence of what Christ said and, and was, was, was delivered under divine inspiration. So it's, it's tighter written. It, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to memorize a chunk of the Bible, start with John 3 and work your way out. You know, this is it. And it's kind of the old adage. You can say one thing at one end of the room, and by the time it gets to the other end of the room, it's not exactly the same. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah, but, okay. So it's kind of the same thing there. I mean, they, they all knew the same thing, but they couldn't, they all- It changes you know, a bit. Right, right, yeah. I, I, plus, <clears throat> plus there's translational issues, but you know, I, I think we still have the essence of what was said. The still, content is there. I still, you, you said you were going to help me answer my question on why is John the only disciple that 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 Jesus that it's uh, that it specifically said Jesus loved. I've always tried to figure that out. Because John didn't want to put his own name in his own gospel. So it's comparing groups. He need yeah, it was bad form. 
because uh, they, they, they didn't want you drawing attention to yourself. You're telling a story about Jesus. It's not about you. So they didn't put their own, and he was not the only writer that did that. You know, a lot literature from the age, you, you don't put yourself in your own story. Uh, so he, he, he was in the story. He was one of the two. So he referred to himself by a euphemism, and it's just a euphemism. It's not saying that Christ doesn't love the other disciples. He's just saying, but he had a lot more I'm the one Christ loved. He had a lot more trust in him also because he sent... He, he put him in charge of taking his mother home and taking care of her also. That's fair. also think it's because he's the youngest. You know, I, I think he was in a better shape to take care of mom. You know, I, you know Peter was, I think, older than Christ. Well, what's, so, what's unique, he, didn't, he, he had brothers, but he didn't, send, he didn't send her home with one of, the, one of her own children. That's true. I've he's, always wondered about that. And James, his, his <clears throat> half-brother, eventually became Bishop of Jerusalem. You would think that she would stay with James, yeah. but I don't know. I just thought that was unique. Oh, yeah. He wasn't a believer at the time, though, during Christ's crucifixion. Did you say so? No, James. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't until probably after the resurrection. Like, my brother's alive. What's well, up with that? Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, I don't know where Mary hung out, so, you know. I think we know Christ said it. Some yeah. of this, right, some of these writings, probably not credited but if you go through the scripture the the new testament there there the gospels it always says that she stored these words into her heart and mind so it makes me wonder if some of these some of these writings here they got some of their information which would imply that she's the witness yes i understand i agree they just don't give any credit to her sure well you know she was a woman at all except for the catholic church I am I am not jumping down that rabbit hole as much as I enjoy rabbit holes. <laughs> okay. So that's through twenty-one. Uh starting at verse twenty-two, and I've got about fifteen minutes. We'll see how we do here. Uh after this. Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John, who was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between one of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, what man, uh, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one who testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. So they're trying to rev up jealousy between yeah. Jesus and John. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting tactic. So verse 27, to this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens to him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. You must become greater. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks to one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. 
He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. Okay. I think John always knew. I mean, <clears throat> they're trying to start this trouble, but John always knew that he was lesser. He always knew that, yes. that, that, he, that he was just, his time was temporary. I think he even knew that eventually he would die. I think he knew that, you know, one way or another, he knew that his time would come to an end and Jesus would fully take over. I think he, he understood that. Don't you, Kevin? Yes. In fact, I think he understood that from birth yeah. because yeah. When, when, when Mary went to uh, uh, John's mother, what was her name? Uh, and uh, the, the baby leaked, left in the womb. Yeah, so uh, the, 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 it's the suggestion there is that the Holy Spirit was on the unborn children. There's an argument for pro-life. And uh, they uh, were therefore aware of their roles from the beginning, like Nazarites are, you know. And, uh, you know, so we talk about Christ not knowing that he was Christ as a child and not performing miracles as a child, but I, I think he was self-aware. Uh, he was. Why did he stay behind in the temple and teach? You know, yes. When his parents went back, why did you cause all this trouble? That's, you know, that was the first time Mary said she put all these sayings in her heart. That was the first time she said that. Yeah, so yes, I absolutely believe John understood his role from the beginning. Yes. And uh, I am stunned by the reference where John is in prison and sends a message to Christ and says, you are the one, right? Which is just, I, I'm a little surprised at that uh, I can, I can wavering that. in his faith. When you're under pressure, yes, you yes. begin to question the things that you believe. Right, I, he was a human being, yes. but, but I, I think he was cognizant of his role in things from the beginning and, and played that part very well. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. In fact, he told his disciples to go and follow Jesus. He did. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I, I was digging in. Where does it start? And after this, his disciples went into the Judean countryside where they were baptizing. Now, John was baptizing in Salem because there was plenty of water. I thought that was funny because that was where there was water. It must have been drought. It, it, it must be like, like it is in my park right now. Okay, so uh, and an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew. You think it was one of the Pharisees that came to try to start trouble? Okay, there's two interpretations here. John knows who it was and chooses to not give you the name because I think that's an interesting interpretation. Or he had no idea who it was, you know, and I think that could be the case. I heard one, I read one interesting commentator that I was onto for about an hour and thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to teach this. And then I decided this guy's cracked and I don't believe him at all. Uh, in that the certain Jew was Nicodemus because John is putting the Nicodemus story and then following with this one. 
and he's saying that Nicodemus was challenging John's disciples and that's why John put this story following this story. But when John wrote this, it was at the end of his career and he has the, the, the benefit of 2020 hindsight and Nicodemus is already a believer, we assume, and why would he need to hide his name? You know, if it was Nicodemus, he would have said Nicodemus. There's no reason to hide that. Could have been one of the spies. Yes. Uh, I think it was either John arguing with John's, the, the, the John the Baptist's disciples, and he doesn't want to mention his own name because he was the one causing the trouble and he was wrong, you know. Or, because he, had, he was already following Christ at that point, maybe he's over there going, you need, you need to quit this and come follow Christ. What are you doing over here? You guys are doing this all wrong, which kind of makes sense to me, you know. And, uh, and so he doesn't want to, it's again, it's the disciple that Jesus loved. He just didn't want to put his name in there. Maybe that would make sense, but that's also totally conjecture in Gospel of Kevin. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think... The most likely answer, if you're really going to stand back to this and use Occam's razor, is that he had no idea who it was. It was it was just some unknown Pharisee, and it was 30 years ago. And who was that? I have no idea. You know, there was this guy arguing. There were 70 of them, and that was that was the big shots. You know, maybe you, you don't know all your congressmen, right? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so I thought that. So I, I kind of backed off of my commentator after I kind of thought that through. I don't think it makes much sense. And so John is passing his, well, he already had passed his ministry over to Christ, but he's still preaching. He's still baptizing people in repentance, and he's pointing to Jesus. He's trying to build Jesus's ministry through his, just by continuing his his message. And so that's what uh, John the... John the gospel writer is saying. Okay, so what did I miss? I just read that. What does he mean by repent? following the old ways? Follow Christ's way? What, do you, what does he mean by repent? Repent of your sins. Yeah, stop doing the bad things. Stop sinning. Yes, you know, the, the, the whole thing with Jesus coming was to change the way up where they didn't do the sacrifice of the lamb for the atonements of sin and all of that. That's why the veil was ripped in two when the earthquake hit as Jesus gave up the breath. There, it's a new it's a new way and that's what I was trying to say well I go a lot of people still follow the old law they say that the new way is not right even though Jesus established the new way yeah um, I think they were sinning they have to rep- repent from sin but I think they were justifying their sin and they'd become jaded to it you know they didn't recognize their own sin if you sin long enough and consistently enough and public enough, after a while, it's normal, you know? And they kind of twisted, like you said, the law around a little so much that I think maybe the people just really didn't know anymore. Yeah. I think you can lose your moral center. And that's what's happened. 
And as I was studying this, I can think of a dozen ways in which good old America, particularly in the media, has lost its moral center. Majority of the, you know? media, the majority of the media has lost its moral center. Uh, and I think we need to be very careful and stick to scripture and not be influenced by that. So I've been working inside, and I'm going to close on this, uh, a lot this week. And I, I've been, I have my computer, and I've been binge-watching shows just to keep while I'm working. And so there's a show called Atypical. This is about autism, and it's a little sitcom about this autistic kid. I work with autistic kids a lot, so it, it, I'm kind of interested. And the first season was actually fairly solid, and it dealt fairly with how you know you raise children that have this you know thing and uh, and then that got old I guess and they needed another season so of course they make the sister gay and suddenly we're dealing with how to deal with homosexuals in your family and all it's all perfectly fine and how you know like this is all the same thing it's not the same thing you know and 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 it just, and it was very subtle. It starts off with these little subtle, little changes. They, they worked it in there over like 10 episodes. And slowly, we're talking about homosexuality and not, not, not uh, you know, autism anymore. You know, it's just a completely different show by the time it gets to the end of the second season. And uh, with that, I'm going to back off because we are out of time. Uh, but I think we need to stay grounded in our scripture. And that's the takeaway from chapter three along with a thousand other takeaways. Okay, uh, I am signing off because I don't have time for anything else. Bye.